Our scripture reading today is taken from Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. And our message today is entitled, Jesus Makes Us Clean. This is the Lord's word. And the leopard came to him, Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Today on this uh, Communion Sunday, we sort of take a break from, uh, from our series and we look at a, a story of Jesus and his interactions. And here in particular, an interaction with someone who's sick or someone who is unclean. We know that Jesus always went to the poor to the disenfranchised, to the sick. That Jesus understood that those who were humble in heart, that those who were weak, that those who had nothing were more readily and open to receive him and see him. And here we see Jesus doing what Jesus does, teaching, healing, approaching people. And in this beautiful picture, we see a leper coming out and meeting Jesus. Now this itself is very peculiar in this time period. We know from Leviticus 13 and 14, and I urge you one day, go and read it, and believe me, you'll fall asleep right away afterwards that those who have leprosy were not permitted in Jerusalem, that they were cast out, that they were not permitted to have contact with anyone, that the only time they were to return was when they thought that the leprosy was healed, and then the priest would examine them, and if they were healed, they would had to offer an offering, they would return. But if they weren't, they were cast out again. We don't know why this leopard is here or how he came here. But we know certain that, one, he was desperate. And number two, he heard about a man named Jesus who was healing people. You could imagine 
in this story, the, the people who are watching Jesus, seeing this leper approach him, saying to themselves, what is he doing here? He does not belong here. He is breaking the commands of Moses by interacting with us here. Someone needs to put him in his place and throw him back out to where he belongs. And so the picture you see here of this leper is one of desperation. Someone who has had not had physical contact with any quote-unquote non-leper people. Someone who's been cast out from the context of family, friends, people of Israel. And I love this picture of this leper. Because all too often, we as God's people, we forget that it's okay to come to Jesus. No matter what you feel you look like in the mirror. Now this man probably literally had spots and boils all over him. And oftentimes we look at ourselves and say, I'm not worthy to come to Jesus. I'm not worthy to know him. There's still too many times in our Asian community when I meet someone outside of, of church circles and, and I talk to them about Jesus and I say, you know, do you want to come to church or do you want to talk more about Jesus? And, and, and they'll say this to me and I still can't believe I hear this. They say, I can, I can never come. I smoke, I drink, I play video games 24-7. <laughs> There's no way someone like me can come. I will always be an outsider. Just let me be. And here is this leper, knowing he's an outsider. But he also knows something else. He is desperate to be clean. He's desperate to be healed. He's desperate to be made whole. And he sees in Jesus the one who can clean him. Brothers and sisters, I pray for all of us that you as individuals know that you have access to Christ always and to come to him. Believe me, what you have is worse than leprosy. Believe me, what you think is, is preventing you from coming to Jesus 
It's worse than you think it is. But God still receives you. And God wants you to come. In Christ's covenant, I implore you, don't block anyone from coming to know Jesus according to your perceptions of that person, true or false. It doesn't matter what habits they've had in the past or present. It doesn't matter what family they've come from. All are welcome. All the time. We do not call people to change. We call people to Jesus. They don't have to get rid of their leprosy to know Jesus. They don't have to get rid of their habits to know Jesus. They just need to come to know him. Our duty as God's people is to allow them to come. But the story gets better. He came to Jesus imploring him and kneeling. In front of a, kneeling in front of the crowd. And he recognizes the authority of Christ. He doesn't say, Jesus, clean me, fix me. But he puts his hands in the hands of the Savior. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. There's a great great sense of trust in God and Jesus to do what is right. There's a great sense of knowing that Jesus' wisdom and power are above even his own circumstance. There's a great sense that he himself will probably accept his lot in life as a leper if that's what the Lord wished. There's a sense of reverence and love for God. We know in our lives that when we come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, he will always say yes. That's what God promises. But there's also acknowledgement to all of us that that forgiveness of Jesus to us has been bestowed upon us by his sovereign grace alone. There's not one of us here 
who truly believes that we deserve the mercies of God. But all of us here are grateful and thankful for that mercy. And so our hearts are in reverence to him, just like the leper. Our hearts worship him because he was merciful. There's no pride, no arrogance amongst us. For Jesus said to the leper what he said to us, I will be clean. And that's what Jesus does, right? Moved out of pity or compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him. This is beautiful as well, because we know from, from the book of Haggai, we know from the, uh, the book of Leviticus, that you're not supposed to touch anyone with leprosy. They're unclean. So this is one big mess of uncleanness. A leper coming into the city, approaching in Jesus. Jesus touching him. To heal him. Not simply saying the words, you're healed, but touching him. As if to say to us, I'm a savior who's not far away, who just writes the checks or gives you what you need. But I am a God who knows you and loves you and cares for you, not simply through the doctrine of justification by faith or, or the doctrines that we all believe in. But I care for you as my child of your dreams, your fears, your worries, your past, your future. And I'm here to walk with you. Brothers and sisters, let me stop here for a moment and ask you the question. Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you know the gospel or you know, do you know the, um, you know, tulip or do you know Reformed theology or do you know all the right answers to all right questions? That's not what I'm at. I'm at. Do you know Jesus? Have you approached him out of desperation in prayer? Have you been healed by him through his spirit, through his word, touched by him, and, and know that his presence is with you? Do you know that you're never alone? that he walks with you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you know that he is there by your side? Do you hear his voice as you, as you walk in this world? Despite the other voices around you, 
Do you call him friend? That's who our Jesus is. It is why the Bible does not give a simply a systematic theology. It is why the Bible is not simply just Paul's letters. It is the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stories of Jesus in the flesh, loving other people. And so for us, the question really isn't simply, do I know the facts about the truths? The question is, do I know Jesus? I encourage you. Our Lord is never far from us. Scripture teaches that the Spirit lives in us. The scripture teaches that if we simply call upon his name, if we just draw near to him, he will draw near to us. The scripture says to us that he's never ever been far from us. But that he's close, that he's near. And all you need to do is speak with him. Read his word. Pray to him. If you haven't done this, it's a beautiful day. Take the afternoon and walk through the park and, and just talk with Jesus in prayer. We are not a movement. We're not a club. We're not a, we're not a, a we don't simply have philosophical principles. We don't simply have this great doctrine that makes us go, ooh, wow. No, no. It includes all of that. But foremost is the person of Christ himself. Afterwards, verse 43. This is interesting. And Jesus sternly charged him and said, and sent him away at once and said to him, Two things. One, see that you say nothing to anyone. But number two, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let's go to the second one first. Why doesn't Jesus simply have him say, hey, you're clean, come join me, let's go. Let, let us do this kingdom thing. But Jesus says to him, go to the priests. Do the requisite offerings that, are, that we find in Leviticus. So the priests can declare you clean. Why go through all of that if Jesus, the Son of God, is here? There are two things to consider about that. <clears throat> One is to realize this. Oftentimes when people look at this passage, they, they look at it very individually. And they say, the purpose of, of, of this passage in Leviticus is to teach us that as individuals, God can clean us and make us whole and that we can be with Jesus. Nothing wrong with that interpretation. But there's a step further than that. You see, 
the problem with leprosy itself was not simply the sickness itself. That, that's not what sort of what was the, the most difficult part of it, though it was very difficult. The most difficult part of having leprosy was being cast out from the covenant people. Psychologically, we can understand that, right? If you're sick, we can stand being sick. But imagine being sick and you're quarantined for 30 days by yourself. Psychologically, we can understand that. Theologically and psychologically, what this is saying is that you are not part of the family of God at this point. You are cast out. And what Jesus was trying to, 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 to show us here is that, listen, when I heal you from your leprosy, what we are fulfilling is what Moses commanded, that you be restored to the family of God. And the purpose of becoming clean was to restore fellowship with God's people. Well, we know that because it's interesting. It's like, you know, there's all these rules from leprosy if it's, you know, if it's red or if it's white and stuff like that. But, but one of the provisions is really strange. It says that if that leprosy has spread and you're all, you turn all white, you still have leprosy. But you're clean. You can come back to the family. You're like, medically, that's, that doesn't make sense. You still have leprosy. Why are you back in? Because to, for them, leprosy was more about being unclean. But for some reason, when you're all white in leprosy, you're clean. Don't ask me why. But that tells me that what Jesus does is not only simply restore our relationship with him, but with one another. God has called us as a family, as brothers and sisters in him. That when he cleanses us, he puts us in a church, in a place that we belong. That we can honor God and worship him. So sin isn't simply about my relationship with God. Sin is a relationship with one another. And Jesus restores both of them. Jesus is the one who heals us. The second thing is interesting, is it not? He says, you know, don't tell anyone that I've come. But the leper went out and he talked freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. I, I, this is, this is, this is, um, um, this is funny. Here, here's a man who, who just got healed by the Lord. And Jesus gives him a simple, simple charge. Don't tell anyone. Because if you tell people, I can't stay here and minister because everyone's going to come to me to be healed. I, I'm here to preach 
the good news. But you need to go and, and do your duty and, and go, to the, go to the priest and tell him what's happened. But this man was so excited. He just went and he just told everyone. And Jesus wasn't able to minister the way he, he intended. Now you, look, look at, you can look at this two ways. One is that he's, he's inhibited the ministry of the Son of God, Jesus himself. And, and, first, and somehow this is all going to go awry. Jesus' kingdom is not going to work out. But, but we know that's not true. But I like, I like to look at it this way. It's just the humanity of this person. That here is someone who excited about his restoration, excited about what Jesus has done, and without thinking, simply wants to tell everyone the good news. I see this, and you see this a lot. And I think I see this, even in our new ministry, and it's okay. There's an excitement that comes. There's a joy that comes. We're eager to, to move. We're eager, eager to do things. And we make mistakes. You see this in people who come to know Christ the first time. They're eager to please God. They're eager to love Him. They're eager to do things for Him. And they, and they do things that you're like, well, what, are you, what are you doing? They've known Jesus. And it's our duty as God's people to simply to gather people like that and lovingly help them to grow. I still remember one of the craziest questions I ever had when I was in New York City. This one man, he's a, he was a doctor at Mount Sinai Hospital. He's like 20, 27 years old, really bright and and we were taking time to pray. He just became a Christian about a year ago. And, and his mind worked differently than anyone else's mind I knew. And, and he said, you know, my, um, uh, my friend just took an, took an exam yesterday. Um, and so can we pray retroactively that he would do well on the test? Because since God is the God over all time and he's not defined by time, can we just pray that God will go back in time and and, and I looked at him and I went, we can just pray that the, that the results go well. <laughs> and I had to chuckle to myself. And go, you're awesome. Because God's Spirit's in you. And I said to myself, let's just walk. Let's see who this God of Scripture is. And we walked and walked together. Brothers and sisters, today we have communion. And communion recognizes those two things, does it not? We as leopards, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, Jesus restores that relationship with him. Communion also represents our love for one another as members of this body. And isn't that what God has restored to us? 
And isn't it true that even as we are restored, that we will make mistakes and, and do strange things, and yet Jesus still accomplished what he set out to accomplish. That man did not hinder his sovereign goal and purpose. And so we, even if we get hindered, we know that God will accomplish his purpose. Praise be to our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. There's no one like you. Lord, here in this scripture, it describes you as someone who has pity or compassion, someone who stretches out your hand and touches someone who is unclean, someone who speaks the words out loud, I will and be clean. Lord, you are not simply a dispenser of, of knowledge, a dispenser of quips, but you are a person, the God-man who we worship, who we commune with. And so we thank you. Lord, we pray, Lord, by the power of your spirit that you would move us to know you, to recognize you, and to love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.